Information shared on the following program is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute legal, tax, investment, or other advice, nor is it intended to recommend any particular investments, products, or financial instruments. Always seek advice from your financial advisor, attorney, or accountant with regard to investment, legal, or tax questions. On October 21, 2023, Tony Walker Financial hosted its fourth client appreciation event of the year at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Louisville, Kentucky, where some 500 clients and staff of Tony Walker Financial enjoyed a wonderful evening of food, fellowship, music, and to cap it off, a highly inspirational talk from the former pastor of Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Mr. Bob Russell. Lucky for us, the cameras were rolling as we were able to record this 20-minute talk in its entirety so that we might be able to share it now with you. It is called The Five Keys to a Joyful Retirement. So regardless of whether you are retired, thinking of retiring, or in the younger years of your life and just trying to gain a better perspective on life and money, I think you will be motivated and inspired by Mr. Russell's talk. So sit back, relax, as Bob Russell shares the five keys to a joyful retirement. God has blessed Bob Russell with a life much different than one he could ever imagine. As a young man growing up in northern Pennsylvania, Bob had intended on becoming a high school basketball coach in his hometown. During his senior year of high school, however, Bob realized a desire in his heart to enter ministry, Soon thereafter, he enrolled in Cincinnati Bible Seminary, where he graduated in 1965. At just 22 years of age, Bob became the pastor of Southeastern Christian Church. That small congregation of 120 members became one of the largest churches in America with 18,000 people attending the four worship services every weekend in 2006 when Bob retired. Now through Bob Russell Ministries, Bob continues to preach at churches and conferences throughout the United States, provide guidance for church leadership, mentor other ministries, and author Bible study videos for use in small groups. An accomplished author, Bob has written over one dozen books. Bob also writes a thought-provoking weekly blog, which can be found at www.bobrussell.org. Bob and Judy, his wife of 58 years, who I was hoping she could be here. I know she thinks she's been a little under the weather have uh, been married 58 years, two sons, Rusty and Phil. Rusty is the lead pastor in Port Charlotte, Florida, after serving at Southeast for many years. Phil is a police commander in Louisville, and having recently obtained his Ph.D., is also a leadership consultant. Bob and Judy have seven grandchildren and two great-grandchildren with whom they enjoy spending their time. In his leisure time, he enjoys playing golf. I love that. And is an avid University of Louisville football and basketball fan, please help me welcome Mr. Bob Russell. Thank you, oh, thank you. Tony asked me if I would speak about being positive and productive in retirement. Hardly ever am I asked to speak on a subject where I feel like I'm an expert. But I retired 18 years ago, and I don't know of anybody who has been more fulfilled and more joyful in retirement than I. I I have enjoyed all of my life, but the last 20 years or so have been the absolute best. This past week, I celebrated my 80th birthday, and all my family came in. We had the greatest time, and then my grandson presented a video that he did of me, and 
another grandson had top 10 reasons why I love pop, and my granddaughter-in-law uh, had an album documenting some of our experiences, and on the last page, she announced that she was going to have another baby, and everybody rejoiced because this granddaughter-in-law was married to my grandson, Charlie, who two years ago was nearly died of COVID, was in intensive care for 77 days, and he recovered. We weren't even sure he could have more children. So we all wept and rejoiced over that announcement. Then my granddaughter-in-law said, Pop, we don't know what it's going to be, a boy or a girl, but we went through a test, and you're going to be a part of our gender reveal tonight. This is just three or four nights ago. She said the people did the test, gave us this golf ball, and when it explodes, it'll either be pink or it'll be blue. Wants you to hit the golf ball. And I prayed, I please don't let me swing and miss at this the shot. And I went out in the yard and all the family gathered and I swung and it came out pink and everybody rejoiced. And it was just a wonderful experience. I have learned that the very best period of life is when the kids are grown and the bills are paid and the dog's dead. It is a wonderful period to be alive. But you know, Christian people ought to be the most joyous people in retirement, because regardless of what's happening at Washington, D.C., or the Middle East, or Ukraine, or Kroger Field in Lexington, uh, we, we have this hope that can never perish, spoil, or fade kept in heaven for us. But frankly, I meet a lot of older people who are not very joyful in their later years. They're grumpy, and they're melancholy. They're whining about how they're not respected like they used to be and complaining about their aches and pains and griping about what's wrong with the government and the schools. One teenager muttered, my, my grandpa has OCD. You mean he has obsessive compulsive disorder? Oh no, he's old, cranky, and dangerous, he said. <laughs> and, and that should not be. The Bible doesn't say rejoice in the Lord until you get to be 65 and then you got a license to be cantankerous. It says rejoice in the Lord always. So older people who are joyful and content are a positive witness of their faith, and they're contagious to be around. But people who are old, cranky, and dangerous or not, and they're throwing away their life one day at a time. So I want to share with you in a few minutes that I have five keys to what I see to be a productive, joyful last chapter in your life. Now, I admit this is not easy. It is not easy to be joyful when the body hurts or people disappoint or your kids move away or loved ones die. But here are five essentials to a, what I see a productive, joyful retirement age. First is be confident that you're going to live after you die. It's hard to be joyful in the present if there's no hope in the future. Joy and hope go hand in hand. If you're on a cruise ship and it's overtaken by terrorists, and they come over the intercom and say, we're going to blow this ship up in two days, but go ahead and have a good time in the meantime. You probably wouldn't have a very good time because in order for you to have fun, you've got to have the assurance that you're going to be anchoring soon in a safe harbor. I can understand why people who are not believers in the Lord are sometimes melancholy as they get older because you're nearing the end and life is over and you're coming up to a brick wall and seems life is meaningless. If all we are is roadkill and we just die and vaporize, then there's no hope for the future. Life is meaningless. But if you are an aging Christian, 
you can be confident that the best is yet to be because Jesus said, I am the resurrection of the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. So you can be assured of salvation, not because you're so good and you earn it, but because you're trusting in the gift of God. Evangelist Paul Little once put it like this. He said, let's say you line up a thousand people along the shore of the Pacific Ocean and you tell everybody, swim to Hawaii. How many would make it? Nobody. Everybody's doomed. The doggy paddler might go 20 yards and the Olympic swimmer might go 20 miles. Nobody can swim to Hawaii. But if a cruise ship comes along and a benevolent captain throws out a life ring and says, I'll give a free trip to Hawaii to anybody who'll climb on board, who's going to make it? The person who's humble enough to say, I can't make it on my own. I'm going to trust the captain. That's a picture of Christianity. Ephesians 2 says, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves, not of works, lest anybody can boast. So if you put your trust in Jesus Christ and his atoning death on the cross to save you from your sins and his bodily resurrection to give you the hope that you can do it too, you can be confident that you have life after death. In fact, Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure. Here's the second key to joyful retirement, and that is stay active in service to others. Some people look forward to retirement as though it's, it's a time to have nothing to do, to be free of any responsibility or pressure. One guy was asked, what are you going to do in retirement? He said, I'm going to sit for a year on the front porch in a rocking chair. Then what are you going to do? He said, the second year I'm going to start rocking. <laughs> well, I want to tell you, if that's your philosophy about the future, you're going to be a miserable person because there is a direct correlation between our sense of self-worth and your perceived productivity. You are created in the image of God, and the Bible says God works, and you are created to accomplish. If you lounge around every day, pretty soon you feel guilty, you feel like a giant slug. Retirement should be regarded as a change of pace, but I'll tell you what, it's a hollow feeling to wake up in the morning with nothing to do. No one's important to me. That's why some retirees, executives, shrivel up and die within six months. They fight depression. Nobody answers my calls anymore. King Solomon wrote years ago, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, he said, for without him, who can eat and fi find enjoyment? So stay active as long as you can, physically and emotionally and spiritually. Several years ago, the city of Louisville hosted the Senior Olympics. Anybody remember reading about that in the newspaper a while back? 12,000 people came to Louisville from all over the country to participate. There were 60 and over basketball tournaments for both men and women. There was an 86 and over swimming, comp 85 and over swimming competition. A 75-year-old man made 25 out of 25 free throws. A 94-year-old man won his division in the 100-yard dash. He ran it in 17.6 seconds. The only complaint was it took him a half hour to tie his shoes and stretch to warm up. <laughs> One participant told me about a 100-year-old guy in China who runs the 100 meters in 27 seconds. 100 years old. They call him Flying Phil. He, he's the world record holder for his age. But there's not much competition, to be honest with you. <laughs> Make up your mind. As long as you possibly can, you're going to be active. Now, 
it's not enough to stay active and exercise. You need to be doing something productive, something of service to other people. I retired 18 years ago, but I want to have another chapter in life, but not just to play golf every day, fish or something. I, I want to have a time of contribution. So I conduct retreats for preachers. I've done 125 three-day retreats for preachers during this time. I write a blog every week. I travel and speak, and I do Bible study videos for, for uh, small groups. And I'm loving this period, trying to do something to contribute to other people. I have friends who've discovered the same thing. I think about Dr. Tom McKechnie in his 70s. He takes four or five mission trips a year to third world countries volunteering to treat the needy. My former secretary, Barbara Dabney, in her late 70s, she volunteers twice a week at a crisis pregnancy center in Shelbyville. Bob and Gail McIntyre, friends of mine, spend their retirement raising their two grandsons who would otherwise be in foster care. Frieda McGee of our church, when she's 99 years old, practices the piano an hour a day so she can play a half hour before their Sunday afternoon service at the forum. Jesus said, you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But you lose your life for my sake and the gospel for others, you'll find it. So stay active in service to others. Here's the third thing. Choose to be joyful every day regardless of your circumstances. Years ago, doctors Minerth and Meyer wrote a book called Happiness is a choice. And I really believe that. You choose to be joyful or you choose to be miserable. Some think that happiness is a direct result of what's happening to us at the moment, and that does contribute, certainly. But the more I've observed people, the more I've concluded, you're a joyful person because you choose to be so. Uh, I read a book years ago, Happy uh, uh, Chicken Soul, Sick Chicken Soup for the Soul at Work, and in, in which... Jack Canfield tells of meeting a restaurant owner by the name of Jerry, who was the most upbeat, most positive person he was ever around. And he said, he, no matter what was going on in his life, you'd ask him, Jerry, how you doing? He always gave the same answer. Doing great. Any better, I'd be twins. Any better, I'd be twins. One day he said, you know, Jerry, you're the most positive person I've ever known. What's the secret of your joy? He said, it's easy. I just choose to be joyful. No, he said, it's got to be deeper than that. No, I said, every morning before I get out of bed, I say to myself, this is the day the Lord has made, and I can rejoice and be glad, or I can be miserable and make room life for everybody. I choose to rejoice and be glad. Well, one day, Jerry's restaurant got robbed, and in the chaos, Jerry got shot. And he says, there I found myself on the floor in a pool of my own blood, and I felt life ebbing out from me, and I said to myself, I can choose to live or I can choose to die. I choose to live. When the EMS workers came, I could tell by their expressions they were, didn't think I was going to make it. Hang in there, buddy. When I got to the ER room, I was still conscious, but I could tell by the expressions on the faces of the nurses and the doctors they didn't think I was going to make it. But he said a, a big burly nurse bent over me and she said, Are you allergic to anything? <laughs> and with a raspy voice, I said, Yes. When I said yes, the whole ER room stopped to hear what it was. She said, what are you allergic to? And I said, bullets. <laughs> and he said, with that, the whole ER room burst out laughing. And she said, is there anything else? He said, yes, I choose to live, not to die. Please operate on me, though you think I'm going to live. He said the energy level picked up. Canfield says he saw Jerry six months later in 
the restaurant, said, Jerry, how you doing? He said, doing great. Any better, it'd be twins. <laughs> you know, I believe that. You choose every day to be joyful or to be melancholy. And that's so important as you get older. You can't choose your circumstances, but you can choose to refrain from griping and complaining every day. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining. Some of you think complaining is your spiritual gift, but it, it is not. <laughs> now, you may hurt physically. You may have been wounded emotionally. But I'm going to tell you the truth. Nobody wants to hear it. And the more you gripe, the worse you feel, the more you alienate people. So unless you're talking to your doctor or your mate when they're asleep, do everything without complaining or gripe. You can't choose your circumstances all the time, but you can choose to laugh out loud every day. The Bible says a merry heart does good like medicine. Laughter releases endorphins in our body that uplift our spirits. I've read research that shows that laughing two minutes a day is as healthy as a 20-minute jog. So just sit on the park bench and laugh at the joggers as they go by. You can't always choose your circumstances, but you can choose to develop a cheerful countenance. Folks, as we get older, our skin sags and our muscles droops. And if you're not careful, your natural expression begins to look like the Grinch that stole Christmas. Now, you can spend thousands of your hard-earned dollars and get a facelift and look like a scarecrow. Or you can, get a, you can just develop a, a grin, a, a pleasant expression. Proverbs 15, 13 says, A happy heart makes the face cheerful. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. There's a button I really like. It says, if you've got the love of Jesus in your heart, notify your face. <laughs> William James is said to be the father of modern psychology. He said, if you act the way you wish you felt, you'll eventually feel the way you act. It's a lot easier to act yourself into a way of feeling than to feel your way into acting. Rick Warren says it another way, fake it until you make it. Now people say, oh, that's phony. That's hypocritical. No, that's obedience. Jesus Christ said, if you're fasting, don't let the world know that you're fasting. Wash your face, comb your hair, put on a cheerful countenance, and your heavenly Father who sees what is, secret, what is done in secret will reward you. So choose to be joyful, cheerful every day. Now the fourth one is probably the most difficult because of this audience. It requires breaking a lifelong habit and mindset. But it's this. As you get older, become increasingly generous with your resources. I love the book Tony's talking about, Live Well, Die Broke. You see, all of our lives, we work to accumulate funds so we can be secure in retirement and not be a burden on anybody. And we get to this stage of life, and we're still hoarding up. It's a habit. We have a hard time giving. And one of the reasons is our self-worth is attached to our net worth. But the most joyful people in the older years are people who learn to give it away. More blessed to give than to receive, the Bible says. Listen to this verse. Listen carefully to this verse. Luke 16, 9. It says, Use worldly wealth to make friends for yourselves, and then when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Know what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, Hoard earthly wealth 
so that you've got a big nest egg, and then when you retire, you can leave it to your kids or benevolence. It says, use it while you're living, give it away generously, and then when you're broke, you're ready to die and go to heaven where you've been laying up treasure in heaven. In 1901, Andrew Carnegie sold his steel company to J.P. Morgan for $200 million, and at that time, he was the richest man in the world. But Carnegie spent the rest of his life giving his money away, and he said, the man who dies rich dies disgraced. Bob Buford, the author of Halftime, said it more colorfully, may the last check bounce. <laughs> now, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I decided to take that passage literally some time ago. So the older I get, uh, the less I'm worth. I, I told my kids, you are not going to inherit much money when I die. Like that little slogan, no child left a dime. Uh, you're not going to inherit much when I die. But I'm going to share it with you along the way as I've been blessed. Because most people, if they die at 90, they leave it to their kids who are 60. They don't need it then. When do they need it? When they're 35, 45, they've got kids of their own. They've got kids in college. So every year at Christmas time, I write out a generous check, depending on what's happened this past year, a very generous check, put it in a white envelope, put it on the Christmas tree. I don't have to buy a Christmas present. This is a grand finale of Christmas. When the last gift is opened, one of my kids will go and they'll pick off that envelope off the Christmas tree, go over and huddle with their mate, and my daughters-in-law see it and they squeal. They come over and give me a hug. And my sons come over and pat me on the back. Thank you, Dad. You bailed me out. I really need it. How's your health? You got a lot of speaking engagements next to her. So they're not hoping I die. So they get their hands on my money. They're hoping I live. So I keep on giving while I'm little. I've used it to make friends of my own kids while I'm in the line. I will tell you the truth. I'm having a lot more fun at Christmas than you misers who are hoarding it up. <laughs> Here's the final key to a good retirement. Spend more time thinking about what awaits you in heaven. The Bible says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. One of the reasons we get depressed, we got our minds down here. You listen to the news, so negative, so uncertain. Or you see things falling apart. You put your hope in this world so easily taken from us. And life isn't joyful for older people because they're focused on this earth. As we age, we need to think more and more about what awaits us in heaven. I've been thinking more about heaven. I'm 80 years old. And some guy at church the other day said, Bob, I'm pre-planning my funeral. Would you be willing to preach my funeral? I said, I, I will, but you better hurry up. You don't have much time. There's a song I like, it's called, I Can Only Imagine. And I imagine, I, I'm, I'm gonna see God pretty soon. The one who's so awesome, he put the stars in play. So brilliant, he designed the DNA molecule. I'm gonna see him. I'm gonna meet Jesus Christ, be able to thank him for dying for me on the cross and paying the price of my sins. I want to see angels. Revelation says there are a hundred million angels, spirit beings we don't normally see. We're going to be fascinated by these creatures created a little higher than man. 
I'm going to get a new body. I, I am going to be young and supple. I, I'm going to be able to dunk a basketball in heaven. I know. I want to be able to shoot par in heaven. And I'm going to be reunited, reunited with loved ones. The Bible says in heaven, we're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I've never met those guys. If I'm going to recognize those guys, I'm going to recognize my mother, my dad, my sister. What a reunion that would be. Which Dabney, who in our church is 80 years old, said he's looking forward to him. He said, I got more friends in heaven than I got on earth. <laughs> Fisher Jones responded. He said, I'm 93. I hope I die pretty soon. My friends are going to think I didn't make it. The Bible says, I has not seen their ear heard, neither has it entered the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love him. So get your eyes off this world. There's only a few more years. You're going to spend eternity in heaven. Think about that. We had a wonderful woman in our church named Lee Tate. And you talk about a joyful spirit, beautiful countess. She's one of the most attractive 80-year-old women. You see her picture on billboards and on ads around here as they're promoting things for senior adults. But she was active in the church, prayer team, greeting, choir. And uh, life for her the last 10 years wasn't easy. Uh, her beloved husband, Dr. Robert Tate, whom she doted over, died. And she missed him. Then she battled cancer. But she still kept on encouraging me and being joyful. When she died, uh, almost 90 her daughters gave me a letter that she had written to me to be used for a funeral. I'm going to read a paragraph and close. Dear Bob, when you receive this note of thanks, I will have arrived safely home to the Lord Jesus Christ and the sweet prince he gave to me as my traveling companion throughout this earthly journey. But when you arrive, don't look for us at the gate because we'll have gone on downtown where the action is. Bob may be playing drums in the marching band. Meanwhile, comfort my darling, precious girls, Sarah and Robin. Until we meet again, Lee. Just like moving next door. That's what I'm talking about. You want to be joyful, regardless of age. You be confident that the best is yet to be. You deliberately be as active as you can be in serving other people. You every day just say, this is the day the Lord's made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad of that. And give your money away and see that it's more blessed to give than receive. And get your focus in heaven. And I close with one of my favorite passages, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the five keys to a joyful retirement presented by retired pastor Bob Russell. During Mr. Russell's talk, he mentioned my best-selling book, Live Well, Die Broke, a book that Mr. Russell personally suggests others consider reading who are hoping to use and enjoy their money before it's too late. Live Well, Die Broke is a personal philosophy of mine, born out from the thousands of retirees I have met, and as a result, it's my take on life, money, and retirement and why you must keep two important realities in mind during retirement. Number one, you really can't take this stuff with you. In other words, in the end, we all die broke. You don't want to also wait too long to spend this money because what I've found over the years is that many retirees definitely wait too long. 
so I would encourage you to pick up a copy of Live Well, Die Broke from any major bookseller. Oh, incidentally, Mr. Russell mentioned the five keys to a joyful retirement. Well, at Tony Walker Financial, we have something called the five keys to a worry-free retirement. And here's how our process works for those of you who might be interested in learning more about our retirement planning services. First step is we're going to take you through what we call a vision exercise, where you and I will sit down in person to review your goals and objectives for the future. The second appointment will be what we call our assessment. Now, this is where we provide our proprietary game plan, and it is absolutely free and comes with no obligation. You will receive that game plan to see if it meets your goals and expectations, and if it does, we move to our third step, which is the commitment to the game plan. Now, for those of you who decide to move money over to Tony Walker Financial, whether it's a 401k, IRA, brokerage account, bank CD, maybe you've received a lump sum inheritance or other lump sum monies, we will help implement all of the details to move that money over. All of the paperwork, all the phone calls necessary, that's right, we do it all. And then finally, something that many advisors fail to do is the most important step of them all. This is the fifth step called monitor your progress where we will constantly monitor your game plan and meet with you in person anytime to review it for any changes you might have. So to get started with your game plan, why don't you do this right now? Log on to TonyWalkerFinancial.com. That's TonyWalkerFinancial.com. Simply click on that Let's Get Started button, and we will arrange something called a free 10-minute fiduciary phone call. And if it looks like we can help, we're going to set up that appointment with you at either our Bowling Green, Louisville, or Lexington, Kentucky offices. And remember... Between now and the next time we meet, if all else fails, you be worry-free and make it a good one.